Well, guys, uh, last week we began a brand new series called Next Step Church, and what we're doing is kind of in detail uh, talking about the kind of people that God has called us to be. And so we began uh, with this truth that even though um, we, pr- we are prone to wander, uh, the scripture says, right, we, we sing about that, even though we're prone to wander, we're not really meant to, and uh, that God didn't um, send his kids into the desert just to wander aimlessly, uh, but it was always a, a, a season of preparation. In fact, um, we talked about the fact that God has a path um, for all of his kids to get on. And, uh, and so we're going to begin talking about that spiritual pathway uh, this morning. And, uh, and, and we're going to do that. I'm going to use an illustration. Now this is, when I say an illustration, this is a true story. It absolutely happened. Um, but when we study the story that really happened, we see how God uses that as a picture of our own lives spiritually. And so uh, I want to share this story with you. It's one of my favorite. It's in Luke 17, starting in verse 11. And it says this. It says, While traveling to Jerusalem, uh, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. So Jesus is not in a city right now. He's, he would consider this countryside. That's important. It says, as he entered a village, uh, there'd be no wall there, and I'll explain that in a second. Um, as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance. Okay, so leprosy, biblical times. Now, we know a lot more about it now, but it used to just be considered, like, if you got leprosy, there was a really strong chance. You're, you're pretty much going to die. And, and we think of it as almost death by inches. Uh, now, we know what causes it now. Uh, there's nerve damage um, in your extremities. Uh, you can't feel things. You get hurt. You get injured. Uh, our pain is what lets us know that we need healing, right? And so when you don't experience pain, you don't know that you need healing. And what would happen is horrible disease would set in. Literally, uh, parts of your body would rot off and decay. It was horrid. Uh, and so what would happen, there was actually law about this, that if, if you thought you had leprosy, if you started to get uh, signs of leprosy, that you were cast out of your home, you were cast out of your village, uh, you couldn't live where you used to live, you couldn't be around family, you couldn't be around friends, um, you were an outcast because you were unclean. Uh, the priest who would, would dictate this, they'd say, okay, you're, you're unclean, you've got to go, would force you to rip all of your clothes so people could always see from a distance that you had leprosy. If you got anywhere near, and when I say near, the closest you could get, uh, if wind was, was uh, going a certain way, would be six feet away. It'd be basically on the other side of the road is where you would need to cross. And uh, you would have to cry out, uh, unclean, 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 uh, anytime you, you were anywhere in the vicinity of somebody. Now, if, if it was down when you actually had to be 150 feet away, uh, which is kind of scary, almost lost that. And, uh, and so you, you, you got to, like, like it's, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. So you're completely separated. You're unclean. Uh, you're you're going to die. Uh, that, that's kind of how those things were. Some scholars actually say that it was so embarrassing. They, they would make some lepers wear a bell around their neck. Can you imagine? So that people could hear you coming. And they could, they could go on the other side. It was a horrible life. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered the village, ten men with leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance. There's separation. You guys feel the separation now? And there's separation. They stood at a distance. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That's what you'd have to do uh, to show them that there'd been some healing. Okay? It says, while they were going, they were cleansed. While they were on their way, 
they were healed, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. He was a Samaritan. Okay? It says, then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, ready? Get up and go on your way. Your faith, this is an important word, your faith has healed you and saved you. Saved you is the word, is the translation. It's sozo. Your faith has saved you. So salvation happens in this story, not for ten, but for one. And I want to talk about that this morning. So three things that I want to share with you about uh, this story. Uh, and here is the first. Again, I think it's a great spiritual illustration for our life. So first thing I want to share with you guys is, listen, at one time, we were all spiritually unclean and destined to die separated from God. It's the truth. It's not easy, but it's the truth. At one time, we were all spiritually unclean and destined to die separated at a distance from God. Okay? So that, that's, we kind of broke down the story, what's going on, they have leprosy, they're going to die, okay, unless the Lord intervenes, they're completely separated. Now listen, they're separated from all of their loved ones, those that they love, they're also separated from those that love them, that love them back, right? And, and, and listen, this is how bad it was, if you had leprosy, you couldn't even go into a city that had walls. Where was Jesus headed? To Jerusalem. Where did you go to be in the presence of God? Jerusalem. So they're completely separated, not just from the people they love, they're separated from the God who created them. And, and, and guys, the Bible says that that really is our case as well. It says that all of us were born into sin. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and sin is, is uh, really anything that we... Say that doesn't please God. It's anything that we do that doesn't please God. It's anything that we think that doesn't please God, which, which gets me. I mean, right? Jesus said, you've heard it said not com to, to commit adultery. But I tell you, if, if you've looked at a woman, if you've thought about it in lust, you've already, you've already done that in your heart. And so listen, it's, it's what we do, it's what we say, it's what we think that doesn't please God. But it's also anytime we don't do something that God's told us to do. Like he says, love your neighbor. Right? We don't do that. Kind of selfish. Put ourselves first. And, and so the Bible says, based on that definition, that we are all in the same boat. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now the problem is if we were to die like that, in that condition, that we would be separated from God forever. Right? Uh, it, it leads to what we call spiritual death. That's Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. What you earn from sin is death. And, and, and again, uh, what spiritual death is, is, is separation um, from God. Where God is, his life is. Okay? God is eternal. Uh, before there were heavens and earth, there was God. Right? God spoke everything into existence. So where God is, his life is. But something happened when sin entered the world. When Adam and Eve, who were there in perfection, decided that they wanted to be like God, and they sinned for the very first time, uh, it's not that God turned his back on them. They turned their back on God. 
And even though God wanted to pursue them, you see, uh, God is holy. He's not just holy, he's actually holy, 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 Scripture calls it, which means he's set apart, set apart, set apart. And, and a holy God can't have any sin in his presence. So he cast Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, and now, Scripture says, they're going to die. Because where God is, his life is, and they have sinned, and he can't have sin in his presence, so they don't get his eternal life. That's a huge problem, amen? It's a huge problem. So, that's the bad news. That's all of our stories. At one time, just like these, these lepers in this story, at one time, we were all spiritually unclean and destined to die separated from God. Here's the good news, though. But, but God provided his one and only son, Jesus, so that we could be cleansed of our sin and reconciled to God. God provided his one and only son, Jesus, so that we could be cleansed of our sin and reconciled to God. So we had a great problem, right? That we were sinful, okay? And, and, and we, needed, we needed to be cleansed and we needed to be reconciled. I want to show you how those things happen. It wasn't from anything we did on our own. In fact, we couldn't do it on our own. We needed God to do it for us. And so this is what John 3.16 says. It says, For God uh, loved the world, or so loved the world, in this way, He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. So God gave His one and only Son. Uh, back to Romans 6.23. I'll, I'll highlight the second half this time. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, so listen. We have this spiritual problem called sin. We're going to die separated from God. So God does something for us because he loves us, right? We turned our back on him. He can't have sin in his presence. Yet this God loves us so much that he pursues us by sending his one and only son. And he gives Jesus to us as a gift so that these two things can happen. So that we can be cleansed and that we can be reconciled. How does that work? What happens, it works because this Jesus, God's one and only son, comes and lives a perfect life, and then he dies as a sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And here's that key I want you to key in on. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus provides the cleansing that we need from our sin problem. Now, I want to go back to last week. We said we're prone to wander, but, but we're not meant to. I talked to you about the fact that the Israelites weren't supposed to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. It was supposed to be a couple months. They, they, they didn't take the quick way out, which could have been 11 days. They took the long way. They go to Sinai. Moses goes up on the mountain. He goes up on the mountain for three reasons. God had promised that he would be their God and they would be his people, but he said if that's going to happen, three things need to happen. Uh, I've got to give you some rules to live by, right? That's the law. Okay? But then he says, I, 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 you've also got to build me a place to dwell. That's the tabernacle. God gives him instructions. But then there's the last one. He says, and your sin has to be atoned for. So God establishes a sacrificial system so, by which sin can be atoned for. That means paid for. And so God, uh, in, in, in his infinite wisdom, says, you're going you're gonna to find a blameless lamb. 
blameless animal, you're going to sack, the blood will be shed, and I'm going to accept that as a sin payment. Now, Hebrews tell us that, tells us that never cleared the conscience of men because you had to keep doing it over and over and over. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out something. Do you remember? He said, it is finished. And the Bible tells us that Jesus came to perfectly fulfill the law. We have a tendency when we read that, y'all, to think about the moral law. And he did. He did that. He, he, he fulfilled the moral law, the, all of its obligations, right? Jesus perfectly lived that out. But he also fulfilled the sacrificial law by shedding his own blood. He was the once for all and final atonement sin payment. It was over with the shedding of his blood. Okay? So that shedding of blood is what provides the cleansing that we need. But Jesus didn't die just to cleanse us. He also died in order to reconcile us or make us right or in close relationship with God. Again, Ephesians 2.13 says, In Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. So the sacrificial death of Jesus cleanses me from all my unrighteousness, but it also brings me. It picks me up, and it carries me across the road to where Jesus is. Alright? That through His blood, I'm not only cleansed, but I'm literally also, once who was far, once who was on the other side, once who was on a different path, I'm picked up, and I'm put on the path of God. And I have relationship with God again, and it's only through the blood of Jesus. Paul describes it this way, 2 Corinthians 5.18. He says, everything's from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's what Jesus did. He cleansed us, but he also reconciled. He brought us close to God. Which kind of brings me to my last point. Is that worshiping Jesus as Lord is the only way for that to happen. Worshiping Jesus as Lord is the only way to be reconciled to God and to begin being transformed into His image. Okay? Worshiping Jesus as Lord is the only way to be reconciled to God and begin being transformed into His image. Uh, we said this last week that heaven uh, is not... The goal, that's our destination, okay? God wants you with him in heaven. That's, that's where we're headed. But the rest of our lives, we don't receive Jesus and it's over. We receive Jesus and, and that, that makes us right with God, brings us into relationship with God, adopts us into the family of God so that we can be transformed into the image of God. There's work to be done after accepting Jesus, right? And so this, this, this worshiping of Jesus, that's what gets us onto the path. So I want to dig back into our story, and as we do, I'll explain. Uh, Luke 17, 15 through 16, I'll put on the screen for you. It says, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and said uh, with a loud voice, uh, it, it says, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God, and he fell face down at his feet, thanking him, he was a Samaritan. So a loud voice, that's proclaiming glory to God. It's proclaiming uh, glory to God. By the way, that's Jesus. You have a tendency to think you hear God and you just you ignore Jesus in that. He's proclaiming to Jesus glory, right? 
It's a, it's a big deal. He's bowing. He's falling face down. That's called worship. You've you got to see this. It's not just he came back and said, praise be to God. He came back and he's like, you're God. Right? Like it started in verse 13. There's 10 lepers show up and, and they're like, hey, hey, master, hey, master. Right? 10 of them say, master. 10 of them say, Lord. 10 of them say, heal me. But only one of them comes back and bows in worship and says, no, you're really Lord. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not drive out demons, prophesy in your name, and say, away from me, I knew you not. Many will call the name of the Lord. But only few who have actually worshipped him, proclaimed him as their Lord. Something changes in this guy's life. Now listen, uh, there's a cool little Bible, I don't know, background story, if you will. Anybody heard the name Simon the leper? Anybody ever heard that name, Simon the leper? Pretty well-known guy if you kind of study the New Testament. He was a big deal in the church. Very close friends with Jesus. Uh, maybe you haven't heard the name. Some people actually think that that was another name for Lazarus. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Now, you can dig into that. You don't have to buy that. But, but either way, Simon the leper was tight with Jesus. And you know what? We don't, we don't know who this guy is. We, we have no clue uh, who this guy is. And, and, and Scripture doesn't, context doesn't show us any of that. But I, I'll, t- I'll tell you just in my heart what I hope. I hope this was Simon. Because you know what happened when Jesus had encounters like this and people's lives were changed? Those people, it wasn't a one-time event. They became followers of Jesus. Their whole life was transformed. And so, uh, listen... Uh, so, so I, I just listen. So he's proclaiming glory to God. He's falling down. He's worshiping. Uh, the rest of the story, verse seventeen through nineteen. Then Jesus said, "We're not ten cleansed. Didn't any return to give glory to God? Talking about himself again, except this foreigner. He told him, "Get up, go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you." So listen. What this guy did was faith. All right. So we have a tendency, y'all. Okay, I love you to think that we come to know Jesus and it's just by just something simple. Why? Save me, right? But, and, and, and listen, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. We call, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But what does that really look like? Because here in this story, ten people cry out, Lord, heal me, but only one person is actually saved because only one came back and in faith worshiped Jesus as Lord. See, faith is a verb, y'all. Read Hebrews 11. Faith is something that always requires action. No action, not really faith. It might be head belief, but if there's no action, it's not really faith. Worshiping Jesus as Lord, proclaiming, you are God. I give myself to you. I bow before you. Have me. That's what Jesus is talking about, John 14, 6, when he says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except me. That's the only, he's the only way we can have a relationship with God. Which is how, by the way, we get on the path. So we've been talking about this. God has a path, a path we're supposed to follow. You say, how do I do that? Cannot do it without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Impossible. Okay? So we're going to talk about the path, but I'm, I'm just week one. You, you can't get on the path. You can't become like God without being a child of God. You just can't. It's where you start. And so I showed you this graph last week. You guys looked at me and said, I can't see any of those things. It's cool. So I zoomed in. All right? So here it is. Here's the path. Here we are week one, a little closer. Let's go to the next one. All right? Come on. There we go. Look at that. 
You can see it now, can't you? Uh-huh. First step on the path, worshiping Jesus as Lord. That's how we get onto the path of transformation. We first have to know Christ as our Lord. Okay? What does that mean? Well, if I were taking the story, just kind of applying it to my life, I think it means that I know that I need help. I know that I'm sick. The Bible says we've all sinned, y'all. I gave you a def definition of it earlier. If, if you can't identify with that stuff, I don't know what to tell you. You're lying to yourself. We've all sinned. And here's the problem with sin. Like We like to try to shower it off, but it just remains. You can't get it off. It's got to be covered. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can cover it by His blood. So, so listen, like it, it's got, so, so how do I worship Jesus, Lord? I cry out for help. I, I know, Lord, I, I need help. I proclaim in faith that He's God. That's what this man does. He comes and gives glory to God by falling at the feet of Jesus. You're God. And not only are you God, you're God over me. Over me. And something happens in that heavenly transaction. And then he follows, right? He follows. There's commitment. So I, I want to give you some application, and I'm going to let you go. I'm trying to be mindful of your time. Uh, first and foremost, I, I, just my heart would, would, would be that you would be cleansed and reconciled to God by proclaiming Jesus as Lord of your life. When we say worshiping uh, Jesus as Lord, that's the first step. That's what we mean, proclaiming Jesus as Lord. Lord, I need you. You, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe it. I need you to come into my life. Save me. Take control. Right? That's, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's an act of worship. Oh my gosh, I need you. Read, read the story again. Listen to the thankfulness out of it. it. It should never be emotionless. Right? We come to know Christ. It's not supposed to be a mental game. Well, you know, I've studied and I just believe that you must be the answer. And so I guess here I am, whatever that means. And... I walk away unchanged. No! No! I am a wreck! I am a sinner! And I am separated from you. Listen, some of you walk through the door this morning, you feel it! You know it! In, the heart, in your heart of hearts, you feel a distance between you and God, and you always have, and you've tried all the external. Maybe you showed up this morning trying to check a box. Well, if I go to church more, if I, if I read my Bible more, if I stop cussing, if I cut down on my drinking, and you're thinking, that's going to cover it, but it's not going to cover it. You're still on the other side of the road, and you're still sick, and you're going to die. And God doesn't want you to end up that way. Okay? So man, you've got, you've got to proclaim Jesus as the Lord of your life. Right? This is who you are. This is what I believe. Second, uh, or I, I'll, I'll just show you scripture why, why we say that. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, uh, you'll be saved. For one believes with a heart resulting in righteousness. That means that cleansing we talked about. Right? And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So you've got to proclaim Jesus as Lord. If you are here today and you have never, ever done that, listen, I, I, just, I want to invite you. Come see us at the end of the service. I'm going to be down here. Uh, Pastor John will be down here. He's got on this beautiful bright green lanyard. says, how can I help you? Uh, man, just, just come out and say, hey, listen, Pastor, I've, I've never done that thing that you were talking about. We would love to... Uh,
to talk to you about how, how to do that rightly, okay? So, uh, so that's the first point. Second, um, once you do that, I want to challenge you to be baptized. Some of you are like, what? Uh, it's one of my favorite topics. People think we do this because we're Baptists. Uh, no, we're, we, we, that's kind of not the deal. And we just do it because it's biblical. Uh, if you read the New Testament, um, by the way, Baptist churches can't really be traced back to one place. It's not one like mothership. They popped up all over the place uh, because when the, when, when the Bible was put into common language, it used to only be in Latin and it was chained to pulpits. Uh, so, so listen, through the Reformation, when that became uh, available in common languages, people read the New Testament for themselves. They read about Jesus themselves. They read about the birth of the church in the book of Acts themselves. And everywhere they saw the gospel proclaimed, it said that people believed, they repented and believed, and they were baptized after they believed. And so people were like, i, I, I got to get baptized. And they were like, well, but you were baptized as an infant. And they're like, that doesn't count. That's not what the scripture says. And, and so they killed him for it. Yet here we still stand. Listen, baptism is that first step of obedience. I'm just here to tell you there's a difference in it. I can't share a message and tell you that Jesus is Lord. And, and, and we can't proclaim that being the gospel. We, that, that our gospel's too short, y'all. So the gospel to us is that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died for our sins right? Conquered death and rose again. And we think that's the gospel. But that Jesus who lived a perfect life taught while he was living for three years. And everything that he said was the word of God. And his intent was that we would do what he said, right? And his first sermon was repent and be baptized. First one, out the gate, right? And, and then in case you didn't get it, then he goes, hey, I'm going to heaven. Here's your job. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, ready? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, it's right there in the commission he gives us. So there's an expectation that we would do it. Y'all, I love the fact that our baptistry has been full of kids lately. It's awesome. We've baptized tons of kids here in the last two months. Adults, I'm looking at you now. Don't be too proud to say, I need Jesus. Man, I just made him the Lord of my life. I'm, I'm going to be baptized. If you haven't been baptized after you were saved, you got the order mixed up, right? And you say, why does that matter? Because it, it matters. It's a seal. Here, here's the way I explain baptism to somebody. Not only does baptism paint a picture of what Jesus has done for us, right? That, that, that he died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again, so it paints that picture. It's your pub, public proclamation, by the way. You stand before a church and go, ah, Jesus is my Lord, so you're proclaiming it. Hello, that's good, right? It also, uh, when God did big things in the Old Testament for his kids, they would usually build some kind of altar, some kind of monument. They cross over the Jordan that was at flood levels, and the Ark of the Covenant gets in the water, and the water seals off like a crazy dam. They all cross the side, so they grab these 12 huge stones from out of the river, and they stack them up. Every time an Israelite goes past those stones, they go, we remember what God did. And y'all, believer's baptism is that. It builds an altar in your life because we have an enemy that's real and he wants you to think that you're not really saved or you don't really know Jesus or nothing's really happened in your life. But if you have an, a monument, you can go back to and you go, no, I, I know it was real. I remember all the emotions. Every time you walk past it, you're going to feel it all over again. It's important, okay? So I want to challenge you to, to do that. Um, last one. I want you to be assured. I want you to be assured. Uh, like four types of people in church, okay? There's the people that aren't saved and they know they're not saved. And that's, you know, that's cool. They're coming. Maybe they're, 
they're married to somebody that's seeking the Lord, so they're like, I'm here. I don't care about Jesus. I'm here, right? So, so they're, they're, they're there. Uh, there's, there's the people that uh, aren't, aren't, aren't saved, right? And they don't know they're not saved, okay? Uh, there's the people that are saved and don't think they're saved, right? And then there's the people that are saved and they know they're saved, right? So those four are all here. And one of the things we see a lot is that sometimes somebody just loses assurance. And I think it's because maybe they heard the gospel wrong. Uh, see, uh, here's, here's why we believe in assurance of salvation. Uh, why we teach it because we believe it's biblical. And I'll just give you two reasons. I could give you ten. I don't have all that time. But here's two quick reasons. Number one is because of the grace of God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace that you're saved through faith. So it's not my faith that saves me. Faith is the vehicle of which I fall into the grace of God. I, I, I kind of talk about like a burning building, in, which I don't like anymore. Uh, but you're, you're up on the 10th floor, and everybody's yelling, jump, jump, jump. If you have faith that they're going to catch you, you jump out, guess what? You're going to splat them. They're going to splat you. You're, you're a goner, right? So what you need is, is you've you got you to gotta have the parachute thing that catch you, and you've got to have the net. The net's what saves you. Otherwise, you go splat. So having faith to jump off a building, that's just dumb if you don't have a parachute and there's not a net. It's, it's the grace of God that saves you. And so if you, if you do that, by faith you fall into that grace. God's grace is unchanging. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So that's, that's a big deal. So, so that's one. Two, I, 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 would, I would just tell you we believe in the assurance uh, of salvation because of the power of God, right? Um, listen, God is powerful. He's not like you. He's faithful, even when you're faithless. And so I love what Jesus says when he's talking about him being the good shepherd. I'll put it on the screen for you. Uh, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Ready? No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. So we want you to be assured. Now here's the deal. After all that I've shared with you this morning, if you don't have assurance, maybe... Maybe you need to go back and look at application point number one and point number two. Right? Maybe the reason you lack assurance is because you haven't really trusted Christ. Or maybe you lack assurance because you've never sealed that deal. Which, by the way, that's a third one, right? The sealing of the Holy Spirit. It's a whole other thing. Anyway, but, but, but maybe it's because you, you, never, you were never baptized. You, you don't have that monument to go back to. So I just want to challenge you in that. Uh, and lastly, I want to say this uh, to my Christians. I know how this works. I've been doing church now for, whoo, gosh, I'm old, uh, 26 years. Never did it before then, but for 26 years I've been doing it. The preacher preaches on salvation. You guys go from level 10 listening to like level 2. You're like, I'm saved, I got it. <laughs> I hear you. Let me ask you this. Do you believe with all of your heart the gospel that I preached this morning? Do you believe it's true? I need to hear it. Yes. One more time. You believe it's true? Yes. If that's the case, wouldn't everything in our life be focused on it? If we believe that heaven is real, and so is hell. If we believe that everyone is a sinner, everyone, and they are all in need of a Savior, if we believe that we found the answer, wouldn't the rest of our life be bent around telling others about that answer? 
If we believe the gospel to be true, wouldn't everything in our life be prioritized over sharing that truth with others so that they don't die separated from God? Wouldn't, wouldn't our habits change? Wouldn't our prayer life change? Wouldn't, wouldn't our schedules change? Wouldn't our expectations of this place change? If we believe the gospel, then everything in our lives should be conformed like we do. We can't just show up and say, yeah, I'm good. See, I got you. You thought it wasn't for you, but it is. Y'all, hear me. We are trying with everything in our power, with every prayer we pray, to become a church that is so kingdom-focused that every single member is equipped and mindful of the gospel of Jesus, and they are going out into a lost world, and they are being the light. They're being the light. That's our job. Some of you had some rough weeks this week. Some of you had some boring weeks this week. Some of you had some weeks that you're like, why am I here? Nobody listens to me. That's every wife, by the way. Every wife probably felt that way this week. He never listens to me. When you struggle for significance, let me share this significance with you. You are God's chosen method for the gospel to go forth into a lost and dying world. You are the light unto them, and you're his answer. Okay? I'm going to pray for us. We've got a couple announcements. We'll let you get out of here. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for allowing us to gather. We love you. God, I pray a twofold prayer this morning. For anyone here that doesn't know you, hasn't proclaimed you as Lord, I pray today would be the death first and foremost. But secondly, for every Christian that said, yeah, I believe that, I pray that we would all go and live like that's the truth now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ms. Catherine.